0: This is the one with marsh marrows.
1: Logan's Run for Office.
0: A badge for mathematical excellence.
1: Perilous procrastination.
0: And manual labour.
1: It's called Full Circle. Here, Here we, we go. go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. counting Dalek's talent boot and the Cybertronic race. Tantarans look like taters and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales and when. When. reviewing all of who there is. Who back when. when? Subscribe and read all night, choose please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal. Come join us on this Odyssey. What other choice could there be? Who that-
2: back when? Who back when? Whoop whoop.
0: <laughs> whoop whoop indeed. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Wow, we are here again this wonderful evening as we sit here in our separate rooms, um, in separate buildings, in separate cities, in separate countries, and talking over Skype on this wonderful podcast that is known as (laughs) Who Back When? (laughs) A very convoluted introduction from me, Jim and a l- laughing voice in the
1: background being leon hello uh, leon <laughs> hello jim hi yeah i'm leon hello podcast land jim can i just ask you is this a particular kind of podcast
0: oh i think it might be yes i think you'll find it's a doctor who podcast
1: or oh, a doc past Thank you very much. Oh, Dark indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that reminder.
0: <laughs> it's been a while since I've done this intro.
1: It's been a while since we had a classic.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've had a couple of episodes in the can, haven't we? So um, we've eaten that up now and doing this a bit more real time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So uh, what are we talking about? Well, I think we are going full circle, baby.
1: Oh, really? C one one two. That's right. C one one two. Are you also starting to regret counting Shada as a classic and not a bonus? No, not at all. Okay, all right. You've got more backbone than I do. Well done.
0: I like being outliers. <laughs> I like that it's probably going to get more complicated as things go on, especially when we get to whatever the trial of a Time Lord thing is, and I'm sure people classify that differently. Oh my they goodness! Will yeah, do you're it right. Again. <laughs> yeah, you're so right. Okay. Yeah. Full circle. Yeah. How did you like feel that? about this?
1: How did I feel about this? Well. <sighs> i mean it's a bit of a mixed bag isn't it it's great in parts it's absolutely abysmal in others i'm looking forward to talking through both you know ends of the spectrum with you right now i'm sort of in the middle how about you
0: i think this might be same page club i feel like i'm a a wibbly hand gesture exactly um in my mind but it's possibly teetering downwards
1: Oh, we shall see, oh, we shall see Very interesting
0: <laughs> Should we do some kind of, like, summation of this serial <laughs> for
1: <laughs> listeners at home? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a great idea Time for us to synopsize Labify and summarize So take a view and, and grab a brief And, of and a listen time to time this overview view. This free-for-all We, we like, like to call up by such of who. By
0: such chunk of who? Doc and Romana have dropped off last week's succulent spoot accountant back on 1980s Earth and are looking forward to a return trip to Gallifrey. Well, Doc is surprisingly chipper about the trip given what's happened on previous visits, but Romana is worried that she'll have to stop her TARDIS travels and settle down to some kind of normal life. All of that flies out of the Gallifrey display window when some kind of weird space-wibble means that Tataris and its crew get sent into a pocket universe where a lush planet is right slap-bang at Gallifrey's coordinates.
1: As Huvian lore would have it, said planet contains a tribe of humans who enjoy hot summers by the river, but like to retire to the safe havens of their giant spaceship, the Starliner. When the strange but expected mist starts to roll in The mist brings with it a group of Swamp Thing cosplayers Who really like the look of the Starliner And have invited themselves round for a cup of tea A bit of clubbing And the general distribution of death and chaos
0: Bisgal over
1: You are welcome
0: <laughs> Oh my goodness, they're so, so welcome Oh yes,
1: aren't they just... So, <laughs> so <laughs> right. Let's let's take a real big bite out of whatever it is that we're going to be talking about today. Where do you want to start?
0: I don't know. I, I do have some big kind of introduction questions. Okay. Kind of just like, what does Leon think about these questions? Okay. Um, I've, I've I got similar know. ones for you. Can I just start with one possibly quick thing? Go possibly will run the entire length of this podcast. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Just
0: how fucking annoying are all of the teenage brats?
1: Oh, the Lost Boys, you mean? Yeah, not a fan. I think I've made it very, very clear I don't enjoy child actors. I think they should just not be allowed. I mean, I'm not happy about it at all. I'm also not happy about the fact that we're now going to be stuck with one of them for the foreseeable.
0: Ah, so this is my other question. Oh! So, Adric, I did recognise the name, and Wikipedia spoiled it somewhat by listing Adric as a companion for this serial, which I flat-out disagree with. Uh, Um, Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely this is presumably
0: what you're referring to Adric is going to be a companion, yeah?
1: Yes, exactly This is his introductory episode And Adric, interestingly, came up in conversation on my end recently I was on... I'll I'll put a plug in here I'll put a plug at the end of this episode as well I was on a a guest on another podcast called Who and Company And they referred to... We were talking about Star Trek, The Next Generation And they referred to Wesley Crusher as the Adric of Star Trek uh,
2: so this dude is the Wesley
1: Crusher of Doctor Who, and yeah, I hate Wesley Crusher. You really want- <laughs> yeah, you don't want that on your CV, really, do?
0: You? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, Wheaton's quite a cool guy. Yeah, absolutely. More interesting things, but yeah, Wesley Crusher mm. just
1: <laughs> very meh, a little annoying and. I mean, this goes for both of them, Adric and Wesley. So, uh, in fact, he's Wesley in my notes. But, uh, yeah, in answer to your question, no, I don't understand why we had four episodes of children running around. Do you agree? (laughs) 100% fantastic. <laughs> I mean not not quite so hard on the just no children ever
0: life, but this particular group, oh my god, fucking hated every single one of them.
1: I'm willing to forgive the BBC because at this point this is still 1980 and CGI technology is not quite advanced enough to replace these children with animations. So, <laughs> get a mulligan BBC. Boss, let's not repeat this, shall we? <laughs> If you'll permit, I will add my point of trivia. It's not really a huge point of trivia, but I'll add that because it segues nicely from the fact that we're talking about children. This was written by the youngest ever writer of a Doctor Who episode or serial, Andrew Smith, who at the time of writing this script was 17 years old.
0: Holy moly.
1: Yeah. But what? How? <laughs> yeah. He was he was a fan who appears to just have sent in a spec script. He, he sent in a whole bunch of scripts. All of them were rejected, except for this one. And then he went on to write at least the novelization of this, and a, a whole mess of audiobooks for Big Finish. Wow. It's really quite impressive at 17. I mean, I'm assuming it was, Oh, well, sorry, I know that it was rewritten or redrafted, possibly by more, you know, tenured BBC writers, but still 17 years old. Yeah,
0: impressive stuff. I'm surprised that they um, took outside scripts in general, to be honest, but yeah, I guess you get sent so many maybe you maybe realise there's some gold in there somewhere
1: yeah possibly I think this also explains why this serial is freaking teeming with kids
0: yeah right well you know sort of thing
1: yeah exactly
0: <laughs> or I just want I just want to see myself on television damn it <laughs> Okay, what else you got? Let's ping pong this. Um, well, this has reframed everything in my mind because, there, I mean, there are a lot of reused stereotypes and tropes in this serial as a whole. And Certainly. One of, one of my big opening questions was why do these people live basically as peasants? I mean, this is the <laughs> opening scene we get. <laughs> River folk who are like harvesting melons or whatever they are.
1: Yeah, melons and marrows, and, I think.
0: Yeah. They don't look like a particularly highly advanced civilization. Correct, uh, but they're not. Then they've got this great feck off spaceship. Yeah, why, why don't they just live in that? Technology. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah, well, you know what we we don't find out if they do live in that, we don't see huts or anything like that outside. It's just that they don't have food we, in the spaceship. You no,
0: know, but they they definitely seem to go there as a refuge. It's not like those people were just called home early from the harvest. It seemed to be like, no, now we're going to go to the safe caves or something like that. That was the kind of feeling I got from it.
1: I think I'm with you on this in terms of what my impression was while watching this. But I did look up some of the characters and I looked up some of the actors on Todd's Wikia and the explanation for, I looked up Adric and the, the definition for Adric includes the fact that he was part of the, whatever they're called, the Outlers, who are the people who have rejected regular society and now live in this cave but as a definition of the outlers is they don't want to be on the spaceship I don't know if that means they don't want to work on the spaceship but it might also mean that they don't want to live in the spaceship
0: but they they're quite capable with some incredibly quick training to go around the spaceship and replace circuitry or whatever it is they're (laughs) they're in this weird loop of just like oh there's this piece which is perfectly functional let's replace it with this piece which is also perfectly functional
1: yeah exactly (laughs) you
0: But it's not like they're cave people who are going, what the hell is this? It's all magic and mysterious and
1: (laughs) I've just learned fire. That's (laughs) true. And if you have the savvy to repair technology, then why are you so reliant on freaking river fruit? Like, why is that your big thing? Why haven't you built a greenhouse in the spaceship? Away from the spaceship. Yeah. 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 Also. It's, yeah, it doesn't like, make a tremendous a, amount of sense.
0: A town, a city, like, yeah, I don't know, it's just... But then uh, there is this weird thing of, like, accelerated evolution thrown into the mix, isn't Oh, there? yeah. So
1: also, you know what? I
0: forgot about that. Maybe, maybe it kind of makes more sense than a lot of the time they do this, but, you know, this is a hell of a trope. The, oh, there's, like, technology over here, and then there's stupid...
1: Cave dwellers over people there. over here. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, and they live side by side, and there's, like, a, a thin barrier of... <laughs> like oh yes evolved people devolved people
1: yeah absolutely okay that's a huge question that's that's a really big problem potentially that you've stumbled upon but it is nothing compared to the size of problems strewn across the rest of this serial are you telling me that's your biggest beef with this no probably not by a long shot it's
0: just a, just an
1: interesting opener
0: <laughs> okay yeah no no
1: fair enough fair enough start us
0: off right hit, hit me
1: with a big beef then come on <laughs> okay okay fine okay so all right this is one of my introductory questions. I'll start this off with a just a tiny bit of setup for context. So, just so that I wrap my head around what's going on. Spiders evolved into bipedal, marsh-dwelling troglodytes, who in turn evolved into <laughs> perfectly homo-sapiens-looking humanoids. But they all coexist. In fact, they're all apparently evolving in parallel, or like sprouting from practically nothing at once and if bitten by a spider you become a telepathic ward of the marshmen so i guess my question is what <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> I, was,
0: I was waiting for the the fuck <laughs> yeah what okay um because these cause the people are described sure, as like
1: advanced spiders right
0: yeah i wasn't quite sure what I was trying to demonstrated at the end where Doc is looking at the three cell samples under a microscope, and they're basically the same. Yeah. It's like, here's like a Like three steps of evolution. Yeah, here's a swamp thing, here's a humanoid, yeah, but, and they're identical DNA structures. But, and it's but, like, oh, but you know that famous...
1: No, they're not. <laughs> absolutely not. I mean, you know that famous drawing that, you know, what is like, the evolution of man, whatever the drawing is called. Yeah. So imagine, you know, you have... You know, you have effectively apes, and then you have ape men, and then you have slightly more, you know, standing slightly more erect ape men, and then you have a tiny spider, and then you have a slightly more erect standing ape man, and then you have a <laughs> Homo sapiens. You know, you know that famous drawing.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think I saw it more as literally just three things on the on the the, the drawing. It's like spider, spider swamp man. Real man. <laughs> <laughs> and, but then... <laughs> Like, why is it full circle? Do you turn into a spider if if you get bitten? No, you don't. Holy shit, that's so true.
1: Wait, yeah, this isn't a circle at all.
0: In fact, this is, this is the other thing I don't understand. What does happen if they touch you? Because there's a, the whole thing, like, you can't be touched by them because...
1: Then you get taken over. The
0: reasons. Yeah.
1: Or but you die. Most
0: people die. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's only Romana that gets
0: warded. Yeah, that's true. And why,
1: why is that? Is that because she's a time lady? I don't know. That's not... What... I didn't even think about that, man. <laughs> That's so true. This is really, this is really pissing me off because it's not a circle at all. Why is this called full circle? Why is this not called full relay race, musical chairs, evolution? That's what this is. <laughs> Why is well, wasn't it just
0: evolution? Like apes still exist. This is, this is the thing. Like. <laughs> You know, there's still single-cell organisms. There's still fish. There's, you know, things that we evolved from in the past that exist in various forms. Like, we exist alongside our previous evolutionary state for the most part. Um, Yeah, we don't talk about the cycle of evolution. Yeah, you have <laughs> blown my mind, dude. But I, I don't know if I missed something because I feel like there are some conversations that... So we'll, we'll have to talk about the deciders and their naming and the joke around them because that's amazing. But they've been procrastinating Effectively, for they think was it like four generations, which is a long time anyway, but it turns out it's thousands of years.
1: Yeah, it's like 4,000 generations, right? I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah prob- probably bang on the money. So, I didn't know if the implication was meant to be that they have this compressed evolution. So, when they first landed, they had evolved from spider, they, evolved, they built the Starliner, something happened, and they went back to spider <laughs> somehow, <laughs> and then they evolved again to something. And and to their current form. It kind of felt like maybe someone was trying to imply that somewhere, but it really didn't.
1: That makes way more sense in terms of justifying the title. But when I looked this up online, I found that a spaceship crashes on this planet humanoid people wander out of it. They're attacked by Marshmen. All of them are killed by the Marshmen. The Marshmen then continue to evolve, and they evolve into human-looking people who believe that it was their spaceship, like their ancestors' spaceship. But in actuality, their ancestors killed the people who crashed in that spaceship. Oh, right. Yeah. That still doesn't explain the the full circle thing. when he says that we never came from... Exactly. Because they're not those people. They evolved from the marshman and the marshmen evolved from spiders presumably yeah. because they all have the same cell structure okay, I mean, Podcast not, Land right I'm... now is screaming into the, whatever room they're experiencing <laughs> lockdown in because <laughs> like why are these two bozos we... not getting it <laughs> oh,
0: are we being really dumb like i'm definitely i definitely did not get that story i got someone saying okay that planet we were trying to get to we can't return there because we never came from there dun 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 my immediate thought was oh it's going to be a planet of the apes thing and the planet they're trying to go to is the planet they're already on right but it wasn't you know it was it's just that we can't return there because we've never been there it's like okay so they're aiming to get to that planet and then it's revealed that they evolved from the swamp thing and it's just well okay no one told me what they evolved from before unless I missed it I, I wasn't expecting them to
1: yeah that's the thing I don't think it's particularly clear in this serial so my very last note is exactly that I've quoted the they cannot return because they have never been there and i've just added whoa mind blown and then i didn't understand that so i literally went online to find the the answer and this is what i found yeah yeah all right anyway so that's my checkbox i I want
0: i kind of want to give it the benefit of the doubt a bit like i'm just being a bit stupid but i also feel like it just was badly written and badly (laughs) explained yeah I agree good there's two of us we will fight (laughs) wait unless Uh,
1: uh. holy shit I think I just figured it out in my brain hole okay they have only been there for four generations but because of the whole extended evolution whatever four generations is a it's a more stretched out time like they've been there for what seems a much much longer time at the end of this episode uh, of the serial the marshmen come out of the lake they start killing people but what if over the course of four thousand generations this has just been on an endless loop, a circle, if you will, these Marshmen come out, they kill everyone. If Doc hadn't been there, they would have killed everyone, dragged them into the lake. Eventually, they would have evolved into new humanoid people, new human-like people, who then also would have thought that the spaceship was theirs, until a certain point, when the Marshmen show up, kill them, and in turn evolve into human-like people.
0: Well, possibly. But then, like, not to go back on what I was saying about living alongside your your ancestors but yeah. this is a this is a microcosm we're talking about here like literally a swamp and a spaceship next to the swamp yeah. it's not like if they if they wanted to do that kind of thing you have to explode it at least a little bit bigger so that it's those swamp things that came over from the neighboring land who then evolved in the abundant glory surrounded by the the starliner <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah and it's just like a mig- migratory thing from from somewhere else so that the swamp thing Things in the neighboring land never evolve; stay as swamp things. But every time they come over, they get influenced, and survival and fittest kicks in, or whatever. And yeah, suddenly... maybe
1: even because of chemicals that are emanating from the spaceship.
0: Yeah something like that. But I, I didn't pick up on any of that kind of stuff. Did you? No. No, no but now
1: I'm really thinking that my <laughs> my theory just from just a moment ago is true and I'm really hoping that podcast land who until a moment ago was screaming into the ether are now letting out a great <laughs> sigh of relief and lighting a post-orgasmic cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> well, they might be,
0: but it's probably not for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like it's just a stretch at every angle of what they were trying to achieve. They were trying to achieve some kind of story of of cyclical evolution or cyclical events and the dialogue and the actions didn't portray it well enough for it to land. Yeah, That's I agree. you on the thing.
1: No, I'm with you. And I'm with you. I'm
0: sticking with it.
1: So one of my other introductory questions, I think I can now strike off the board, and that was were the Troglodytes just hanging out in the river for generations? But now I'm thinking they were just suddenly blitz evolved into being.
0: Hmm. I guess possibly. I don't know. What's, I mean, what was the mist meant to do and be about? Because the mist has a myth around it that it's toxic, and then I think Doc has a moment where he has canine to analyze it, and it know, is there something about the mist sharing the same kind of uh, it can't be DNA, but I mean, maybe it's just makeup the... As the people themselves.
1: Or oh, I don't, I didn't pick up on that. Could it be this blitz evolution that just happens in a lake because it's the equivalent of crawling out of the primordial ooze? So it happens in this lake. That triggers some sort of chemical reaction that bubbles and that creates the mist, and the mist is just what on every loop the people in the spaceship have written down in one of the manuals, oh yeah, and there was mistfall, Oh, we have a record of mistfall, and we have to be very careful because after the mistfall, there are no records left, so presumably it was very toxic or something like that. Then they end up getting killed, and the next people evolve, find those manuals, and start filling them out i don't I don't know, man,
0: yeah. <laughs> we're just into that realm again where it's like oh there's there's some really interesting ideas like I love the idea of like a whole civilizations history recorded in these these tomes and people are, are trying to learn from them like and the fact that it's become a kind of cult as well, like there's a leader that is allowed to look at certain groups of the text, and everyone else has to basically just trust their interpretation of it. And yeah, like, that's quite an interesting setup. And so I yeah, think, so maybe you know, they, maybe they talk us through that because well.
1: you said that you wanted to talk about the the leaders or the deciders. Sorry,
0: the deciders. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just found that amazing. <laughs> the most indecisive people on the planet. Yeah. They're
0: there to make a decision, which is why they're called the deciders, it's well named, but they're just incapable of doing so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> To the, to the point where they basically decided to leave, but then, is he called Gareth? I don't know, the sil- sil- silver-haired guy sort of turns to Logan, and it's like, ah, but maybe maybe we need to make a little bit of consideration on whether we really want to leave.
1: Yeah. You've got to admit, oh, we should probably have Christ. a conversation about this. <laughs> like He may as well
0: have just said, you know what, I'll put the kettle on, we'll, <laughs> we'll get some biscuits, and we'll really crack this thing open. <laughs>
1: Really do a deep dive. Hey Logan? Are you up for a deep dive? <laughs> 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 yeah, that is pretty cool. But shortly thereafter, they do take off, which is really quite yeah. impressive. There's no way in hell that spaceship didn't crash, like, moments later. (laughs) There's no way they didn't fly straight into an asteroid or, you know, they certainly didn't survive a landing. Because Doc just goes, these are the thrusters and that's the thing and press this gigantic green button which no one ever decided to press. But he never goes, and this is how you land. No.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's kind of the most important bit. Take off and landing. Like, you can muddle around with the rest a bit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In fact, I'd argue that landing is more important. Yeah, no, that's
0: true. Like, <laughs> yeah, as long as you don't take off and immediately crash, you're probably grand. <laughs> landing, you're right, is much more key. Yeah. Um, I I kind of really loved that Doc did that. Like, it's it's pretty callous, let's say, <laughs> but... I've I've said before, like, we turn up on these random planets, and occasionally it feels like there really isn't enough information on why Doc and Romana, or whoever the companion is, should be helping these people. Like, they might even be the bad guys. Like, we don't know enough about them, and we're seeing, you know what, I don't actually fucking care if you wipe yourselves out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do what you want. Yeah, at this point, he's had enough of them, it feels like. I'm, I'm not so sure. I mean, we'll, yeah. we'll find out over the next few serials, presumably, but I'm not so sure Tom Baker is, or Tom Baker's doctor, is super-duper on board with child actors either. So he's had to deal with them for four <laughs> episodes, consequently four weeks. <laughs> he's had his fill. At this point, it's just like, all right, you guys can fend for yourselves. <laughs> Big green button. Yeah. It's almost surprising that he didn't point at the self destruct button and go, yeah, press that to lift off, <laughs> then just <laughs> F off. I found it quite interesting, it's inside the, as in life inside the sp- Starliner was conceptually really, really interesting. And we d- didn't get a massive look at what life in there was like, but what little we saw, well-structured, there's evidence of a culture, a very callous one, by the way. But still, everyone's wearing nice pastel clothes, They're, they've got their <laughs> three politicians, <laughs> if your daughter dies then it's okay because because you have a political career uh, but and if you have a political career then that means you have like officially given up your child it's like what <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really quite interesting These are all, all ideas you got on board with <laughs> 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 I didn't say that, but, but I, I thought it was really, really interesting. It really took me by surprise when, I can't remember her name now, Akira, Is that the is that the girl? When yes, they're, I think so. they're standing trial and they're basically going like, well, we're all massively dead now, right? Like, we're clearly going to die. Plus, don't worry about it. My dad's a politician now, so I'm also an orphan. Wait, what? The, no, that sentence does not make sense. You said your dad <laughs> is there, so you are not an orphan. <laughs> like, what is going on? Oh, fucking Lost Boys. Of the Lost Boys, who was the most annoying? Was it Kira? Was it Rufio? Or was it Wesley? Or was it the dude who buys um,
0: it? I think early on, actually, it was the dude who buys it was the one that pissed me <laughs> off the most. they I mean, they're all so specking bratty. <laughs> I mean, even to each other. I mean, I don't know if 17-year-old writer, scriptwriter, was aware that he was creating these shitty characters of his generation or if that's just what he thought was cool or what, I don't know. But Why would you write people from your age group as that shit?
1: <laughs> well, I don't know if it was heavily rewritten, but I think it was quite rewritten from that original spec script. I mean, not to take anything away from him, because clearly that script showed enough promise enough potential to be picked up by the bbc which i'm still just it, i'm super duper impressed
0: but do you think it was some it was some old guys uh, a guy <laughs> some old guys basically getting a dig in uh oh, this little young whippersnapper thinks he can write a script for doctor <laughs> who i'll fucking show him
1: <laughs> edit edit edit
0: all 17 year olds are bratty bastards ah! <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think that's a solid theory, equally plausible. It's some old guy who then goes no no, no i'm I'm in touch with the kids. I can write kids very realistically as well <laughs> I mean kids today they they like to hang out in caves, right, and they steal melons. My son is always busy in his room talking about melons, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs>
0: Let's not go down that tangent into (laughs) (laughs) Melon Talk.
1: (laughs) Tiny little asterisk, there may be more Melon Talk coming up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I should
0: expect nothing less.
1: Just to add, before we make a departure from life in the Starliner, I loved that they had this library of manuals that they constantly consult. I thought that was really, really quite cool.
0: Yeah, I th- I think that's a really interesting idea. I didn't like that they were shitty binders. <laughs> I would prefer a nice tome. But
1: <laughs> Did you like that they were colour coordinated? I mean I'm assuming they made those binders from whatever material they also made their clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Quite
0: possibly. It I mean it made for a really cool set. Like it must be a real bastard when you're trying to have a good research session and you you basically ripped half the decor apart. <laughs> the <day. laughs> Dude, like, literally this place looks like shit now, because there's a hole in the wall.
1: <laughs> yeah, that bit in uh, When the Troglodytes Attack the Library, that was clearly one take. There's no <laughs> way they got an intern to, to reset all the binders, colour-coordinated. Yeah, Or they did, just because they hated them. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. Do you want to talk Adric? Should we talk Adric? I feel like we probably ought to.
0: Okay, if we must. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, let's get it over with quickly. <laughs> I'm assuming so, we both posit- uh, I
0: think for the most part, yeah. I think I have one kind of positive note about him where he made a joke, which oh, yeah? was kind of funny. But I think Romana was like... We have to come back to the TARDIS and how the TARDIS features in Oh,
1: yes, of course.
0: But yeah, Adric's in the TARDIS with Romana, and I forget the exact situation, but she's trying to work out what's outside again, and the window gizmo doesn't work because they're in a different universe somehow. Yeah. And, she, and she's the like, scanner, oh, oh, by the way. The scanner, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: tisk, tisk. <laughs>
0: Literally a window. Of <laughs> course. Uh, Romana's trying to think of like some technological ways to get around the fact that the scanner doesn't work, and Adric just says, oh, we could just look out the door. Yeah. That, I, which I kind of I
1: like. I agree. That was the Soviet Union sending pencils into space. You know, it was one of those <laughs> things. I like that. Very good. I agree. Yeah. There were certain bells being rung reminiscent of Zoe. Oh, holy moly, I'm going to get this wrong now. It's it's a Trouten companion, I'm pretty sure. Young girl, I don't know how old she's meant to be. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess, like, 16, 17, something like that. Maybe younger, actually. Obviously played by an adult, but you know what I mean. And she's yeah. also a wunderkind, she's a maths genius, and gets into, I guess, similar-ish situations. More gung-ho than other companions, than other older companions. Much like Andrik here has his badge for mathematical excellence... And, yeah, gets that little dig in about look out the door. But also is the dude who, like, runs to get help. And I think he kicks a knife across the floor of the TARDIS at one point. And he, like he does some stuff, you know. He does
0: some stuff, yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I, I thoroughly dislike the character. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I think
0: a lot of my notes, I think, is either him just being there or him being shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Like for a start he's he's maps boy in my notes early on. <laughs> And, yeah, so, like, the first episode, he's trying to prove himself to his brother and his brother's brat friends. Yeah. We get this soothsayer guy who was the previous, like, lead decider, it turns out, but... Wait, which soothsayer? He called, is he called
1: Dexeter? Oh, wait, he was a no, soothsayer. No. Isn't oh, no, that the, the lab
0: science. dude. No, that's the lab dude. Cider Dreif.
1: Is this the dude who looks like David Warner?
0: I don't know who David Warner is, but probably. Dude,
1: David <laughs> Warner? Um, Chancellor Gorkon? He's been on in Doctor Who as well. David Warner is a freaking legend. And when in part one, at one point, I just wrote, Whoa, David Warner, followed by a, a, you know, myriad exclamation points. And then I looked him up and then I added a little extra note. Oh, nope. Leonard Maguire. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm sure Leonard was great. But yeah, it, it, sorry, I keep interrupting you. He had a long career. <laughs> um. <laughs>
0: Sorry, that's, that that's really shitty. <laughs> it's just a, a little <laughs> summary thing when you hover over his name on Wikipedia. It's just like, <laughs> he had a, had a long career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, in the first episode, we don't know what the hell is going on. So, yeah. to me, he was he was like a soothsayer character next oh, right, to okay. De- Dexter scientist guy. And, yeah, there's a scene where Adric is trying to prove himself to the other outliers. Or whatever, yeah. And he, he goes to steal some fruit and then gets chased off by the Draith. Oh, is and... that Draith?
1: Yeah, tell Dexter we've come full circle. That guy.
0: Yeah, that's the guy.
1: Yeah. And,
0: yeah, Adric falls over for no reason, then Draith falls over for no reason, and then Adric falls over again. I don't know, it's just, like, a stupid scene of them around the mist, and then ends up Draith getting pulled into the swamp and yeah. dying, and it's just... No, this is just bollocks. This is one of the early things of Adric introduction. Like, this is his entire thing in episode one is basically, I am a bratty teenager, trying to prove myself to bratty teenagers. Oh no, I've fallen over. Oh no, this guy's. has gone. Oh no, over, I've fallen over. over again. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he also, let's not forget, he, in order to prove himself to Rufio and the Lost Boys, he's meant to apply his mathematical thinking to solve the problem, solve the mystery of the missing watermelons. So, what, he applies mathematics Excellence to swim in a lake, <laughs> and he fails. By the way, <laughs> doesn't yes, do particularly yeah, well. Big time. Are we ent- to understand that Draith is pulled into the lake by the marshmen? I have no
0: idea. It doesn't. We don't see a hand or anything at no. that point. Like I'm thinking, the mist is alive. There's some weird shit going on with oh, the yeah. weather. Because <laughs> it's only at the end of that that we see the marshmen. Up here.
1: Did you ever think that the marshmen were people who had been dragged into the lake?
0: Uh, I'm not sure if I did actually.
1: Oh, interesting. Oh, you're better at this than I am. Or oh, you're better at than I am. <laughs> no, I mean I definitely got it <laughs> wrong. I mean the you know the marshman who who is later described as a child who comes in and and it, yeah. is the dude who gets you know a, a live TV brain surgery among my notes. I'm like, I bet you that's the guy. As in, I bet you that's the old man who got pulled into the lake. That's what I assumed. I assumed uh-huh. everyone who came out of the lake was like a mutant version of you know either the old man or the the nudists in the beginning who are swimming in the lake. By the way, <laughs> how disappointed were you to find that the nudists were in fact clothed? Because as they were swimming swimming around, like hard open on this planet, and it, oh hard open. Uh, <laughs> I like, just cut to this planners and we just see like aquatic foreplay <laughs> while a bunch of dudes are picking melons out of a lake. Like a massive disappointment when I didn't get to see a single dong <laughs> as they're being pulled out of this misty water.
0: Hey, you've probably got as close as you can on prime time BBC family. <laughs> <laughs> Like that was basically a thong he was wearing, or well, two of them, weren't there?
1: Yeah, that was that was like a Zardoz diaper.
0: <laughs> I was gonna ask you about that. I'm glad you um, <laughs> you got it out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the setting, I mean, I, d- I didn't really know what to make of this serial. It was not what I was expecting it to be with the uh, introduction, that's for sure.
1: No, nor I. I think, by the way, that this is, I as in basically, I think I was conflating this serial with the last one, with Megalos. Because my recollection of Megalos uh, okay. is, like, there are cavemen, which might, in my mind, be the Marshman. And I'm pretty sure I was thinking there are, you know, humans versus cavemen, and well, I was thinking, cactus monsters. Oh, by the way, and I had absolutely no recollection of this story whatsoever, like none whatsoever. But I, but I think possibly subconsciously I was thinking of this.
0: Right, kind eh. of makes sense, I suppose. Things would blur a bit
1: in your mind. Can we talk costumes and monsters and creature effects and stuff? The marshmen look incredible, absolutely awesome. I think I. Eighty percent agree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> there were just a couple of close ups where I was a little bit oh, it's really obvious that there's just stuff stuck to them that's meant to look a bit like seaweed. It's not it's not like a full costume that feels like an actual and Like a, a creature It just It feels like stuff's Just stuck onto an outfit
1: Yeah I, I think I'm With you on that That's true But the actual mask Looks pretty cool I like yeah, the lumbering I, the face is good I originally thought You know what They look a, They look a little bit like The creature from The Black Lagoon And I included a little I thought this was Very witty Because this like Shortly after seeing You know Aquatic foreplay And people by a lake So I called them In my notes The creatures from The Blue Lagoon And then I looked In the trivia And they would Actually be Based off the creature of from the Black Lagoon. Uh,
0: okay, so I, I kept referring to them as swamp thing, which maybe I don't know swamp thing well enough.
1: <laughs> creature
0: from the Black Lagoon. I am looking up. Yeah, do it.
1: Classic monster ah, film. That, that thing. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's one of the. <laughs> it's one of the properties that Universal wanted to reboot as part of their monster universe. Yeah, uh, really went went well, guys. <laughs> uh- Yeah, like it's
0: yeah, it's probably more that than something. I I think I'm off the mark with something. Something's just green.
1: (laughs) Anyway, they looked freaking incredible, and the and oh my wait, can we just have a really really brief wankathon about the spiders? (laughs) 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 Oh my god, I had forgotten the spiders. They were so shit. (laughs) What? No, they were fantastic. How dare you? you? <laughs> what about the spider that you actually get to see walk across? I mean, it's the same... Walk. They cl- yeah, wh- okay. Walk. So they clearly had, like, <laughs> three different kinds of spider props. They had the baby spiders, which were just utter shit. They had two versions of the adult spider. One that was just completely still. And one single one, I bet, that they had built as maybe a marionette or something. But, like, the legs actually looked like they were all you know, doing the heavy lifting. I loved that clip of the little spider walking across the the floor of the cave. Oh, that was incredible.
0: (laughs) Okay, I think we watched different things. I saw (laughs) one of the worst spider creations ever being dragged across the floor by a piece of (laughs) string. It had, like, felt stuffed on for its eyes. It just didn't look realistic (laughs) at all. (laughs)
1: Yeah, okay, so maybe it didn't have a lot of personality. It didn't have a, a huge, you know, a, a broad range of emotions or, or even the facility to project a broad range Or even a narrow range of emotions But those legs, wow I'd love one as a pet I'd be totally up for it. I, I'm, I'm not the kind of person I hate people who have spiders for pets Because I feel bad for the spiders And it's a little gross But I would totally have one of those as a pet It could just, like, constantly be walking back and forth Across the floor of my front room I'd be happy with that
0: Okay, I think, uh... <laughs> I'm quite happy with having cats, but
1: to each their own. Okay, fine. I also prefer cats. I also prefer dogs to cats, and I may prefer goats to dogs. No, I prefer dogs to goats. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let's put a pin in that. We'll get back to it, I'm sure. <laughs> We're kind of going
0: back to the the first episode, and we kind of skip through bits of that. We talked about set stuff, yeah, and well, well, costumes. Actually, we are not talking about sets. I thought actually, production wise, this was pretty damn good. Actually, the Starliner stuff was like. For once, I felt like the corridors like actually got some thought and design done to them rather than being planned. They were like pentagonal for a start, I think. Yes.
1: Oh, yes.
0: Which was uh, a bit more interesting and had a, like a... I don't know. We could almost imagine a dado rail like halfway down <laughs> like where you'd hang your pictures because it was like the two-tone effect going on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the top was light and the bottom was dark or something. <laughs> it was very chic, darling. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's one corridor scene in particular where, I think it's when the Doctor's just entered the Starliner, where he's, he's at sort of a crossroads of corridors. It's where there's, yeah. a, there's a watermelon with a knife, and then the knife disappears later on. In that crossroads, he's standing next to a, the opening to a corridor, and then he walks down a different corridor. But for a moment there, I absolutely thought that that initial opening of the corridor was just a map painting. I thought that that was a fake corridor. And then, all of a sudden, he's gone the full circle, and he comes walking down that corridor. It blew my mind. Uh. <laughs> sorry, I don't know how to react. <laughs> yeah, to yeah I, don't, I don't know what else to say. I'm sorry. That's just... Well, yeah, no.
0: <laughs> nice that you had a little mind-blowing experience.
1: <laughs> I'm with you. I think that was very nicely done. They probably had two corridors. Like, they had an L shape. That was it. Yeah,
0: but you, I think you're right, though, that, you know, that intersection was quite interesting. Like, it wasn't just a flat thing as well. I think it was sloped off from that, that central crossroads yes, bit didn't it yes exactly there were definitely straight bits of corridor that weren't part of that or it was filmed very tightly so you couldn't see that
1: intersection oh that's Did true it? that's true
0: but then they had the main manual room.
1: They had, yes, you're right. The, they had the, the manual room. Wood. Is the exterior of the Starliner a miniature, or is it a is it a did drawing? I'm trying to remember what it looks like when it takes off.
0: No, I can't remember if we see. It. I think it might cut away from the picture, and they just say it's taking off.
1: <laughs> I think we get to see it moving, but I but maybe I'm misremembering. But either way, I'm totally with you. They did that. They also built a cave.
0: Yeah, for like two scenes. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Which is awesome. Yeah.
0: Oh, actually, no. I've just thought it's it's yeah. It's the scene at the start where it's the kids in it, and then we come back to it with the spiders, don't we? So it's a it's a yes. You're
1: scene, right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But but still, it's only like um, let's say five minutes of airtime.
0: Yeah, it's not a lot of use out of it. No. They do a good job of it. I think the only negative I will say, which is, it's not really a negative, it's just more an observation, I suppose, because it can't be helped. But they start on this planet with the outdoor shoots, and that's a very sunny, vibrant location by the river, and you know, it's all all very idyllic, and you could happily holiday there in the summers, darling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, couldn't you just? lean going to lean into this, darling. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get a very harsh scene change to the brats in the cave. Yeah. And it was so obvious that we've just gone from an outdoor shoot with totally different lighting and potentially totally different cameras, I'm not even sure, to then a set based shoot and it, yeah it just immediately like, oh, you've gone indoors and that's not a real cave, that's a fake wall and, you know, it, it just, yeah it, it jarred with me ever so slightly.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm with you. But even the outdoor scenes, I feel like they did quite a lot with that. I mean, they, they may as well just have gone to, you know, maybe somewhere in the Cotswolds or or wherever. Maybe they were in. In Shossover here in Oxford, and they're just they're walking <laughs> around the forest. That's fine, and that's just a forest. But when they're at the lake or at the river or whatever it is, they found a place that has a, a dock we never get to see any ships by the way or any boats but there's a dock and just the fact that they've thrown some watermelons into the water and later on certainly when they've done whatever it is that they throw into the water that causes the bubbling and the you know the mist oh yeah that changes the look and feel of that area completely i mean even the mist just changes the look and feel oh and by the way while they're talking about oh there are spider's eggs inside this fruit inside of the river fruit around them are tons of cobwebs, like just in oh, the forest. They've clearly just been thrown onto branches and, and whatnot. But that also changes the look and feel of this. Otherwise, I don't want to say mundane, but you know, otherwise very realistic, down to earth setting. Down to earth because it was shot on Earth, and I think they did a very good job of it.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, I don't think I actually dwelled enough on it in my my brain. That you've uh, made some very good points, which are all registering very nicely. I Score, think high correct. five, Doobie dooby dooby.
1: <laughs> <laughs> More drink? Oh yes, thanks. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> Oh, yum. Where do you summer? Do you summer on Alzarius, darling? Oh, yes, of course. The summer's on Alzarius.
0: Is that this planet? Yeah, um, I, I had to it look that... it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never actually got what it was called.
1: It's called Alzarius, but the people who crashed there, they were from the planet Pterodon or something like that? Like, they look yeah, like Pterodon. humans. Terradon. yeah. So they look like humans, and they are from the planet Pterodon.
0: Pterodon. Hmm. Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Is that just what Earth's called in the future?
1: <laughs> Maybe. In eSpace? In eSpace. Oh,
0: yes. Yeah, so eSpace. Like, what the fuck? Did, did you... Okay,
1: two-part question. Okay, I'm going to look up what eSpace is in the meantime. Did you feel cheated that
0: we aren't getting a Garfrey episode? And did you buy and or care for the explanation that oh, a wibble happened and they've gone into a pocket universe?
1: I didn't really buy into the explanation for it because there was no explanation. They've just somehow wibbled into eSpace. I've just looked it up. eSpace, also known as Exospace. Or exo space time continuum. So it's this pocket universe, but w- because we never find out why that happens. If, if something... Wait, sorry, no, wait, 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 wait. Uh, I take that back. We do find out, don't we, at the end? Yes, because I, I I looked up the... Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm cutting off you and then I'm cutting off myself. Um, <laughs> I looked up the, the transcript for this episode last night, and I just copy-pasted the very last lines of it. And in it, the doctor explains that they came through a charged vacuum... Um, Emboitment? Emboitment? I'm not sure. It's a violent pathway between universes providing a transit point between N-space and E-space. I wonder if this in any way is similar to what we later on in New Who experience with the Cybermen. Do you remember when, during Rose times, Tenant and Rose times, they go to this other universe and Cybermen are there and yada yada yada. She meets her dad, he's still alive. Yeah. I wonder if that's the same, or, I mean, not the same universe, but the same concept. It's another pocket universe. But uh, either way, so they travel through a charged vacuum, I'm mean, going going to refer to it as an emboitment. Um, That's how I'm going to pronounce it. Maybe I'm wrong. They, they, They came through a CVE, and now they're stuck waiting for another CVE or finding another CVE in order to return to their own universe. I guess the explanation is it was a naturally occurring phenomenon, if you will. And to me, that's actually kind of interesting. Only because of what it sets up, because it's almost like a, it's like a Star Trek Voyager kind of thing, where now they have to find their way home, and maybe for the next few serials, that's what's going to happen. Maybe they're in this weird E universe, Exo universe. Well, I think,
0: I mean, given what we as uh, futurists, in hindsight, know about Adric, yeah, that would make sense, and the fact that it it doesn't get wrapped up in this this serial at the end of it they are still stuck in the pocket universe yeah that's true which is quite a rare thing like we, we had what well, you had the previous doctor being stuck on earth didn't you because the time was wouldn't let him travel like oh that, yes that seems like a similar similar kind of makeup in a way it's like yeah this, i like it external force that's created a situation where yeah the the rules have changed basically
1: yes absolutely You're you're absolutely right That's a fantastic reference Yes, exactly Pertwee being Exiled to Earth It's similar in nature To the Doctor Having installed The Randomizer In the TARDIS as well The Fourth Doctor
0: Ah, yeah That's true You're right That's a very good way Of of phrasing it
1: Sorry? I feel like
0: the outcome Of the Randomizer Probably wasn't quite As dramatic as uh, Potential I I mean, we don't know What's going to happen here In this pocket universe But certainly Pertwee being stuck on Earth Drastically changed What his adventures could be
1: Absolutely, yeah That's very true I think that's a very nice Way of phrasing it it that it it changes the rules of the game yeah which which is very
0: interesting it uh, yeah it could be intriguing it will be intriguing rather how it does change the game and if they If they don't, like, jump on this and do things differently, it would be a real shame, I think, in a way, to to set this up and then throw it away.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm assuming that they will. Because didn't we say at the end of the last one, didn't we find a piece of trivia that said that henceforth we are in one storyline until, I want to say, the first or second story of Davison?
0: Oh, yeah, I remember you saying.
1: I'm willing to bet that this is it. Like, until Davison, we are going to be stuck in eSpace and the storyline is, get the hell out of space.
0: Yeah, okay. Which potentially means we've got Adric for a long time. Oh dear.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, I just looked up Adric, as in I Google image searched Adric, and I'm pretty sure I saw him with the fifth Doctor. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That might be possibly
0: yeah where I've heard it before. because I, Yeah, I wasn't expecting another companion for Tom
1: Baker, to be honest. I was expecting this to be Romana's farewell episode. Were you? Well, I mean, just based on the opening lines, that they're going to she's gonna now retire to regular life, which is super weird, by the way, but it's like, why are Time Lords not allowed to do their own thing? That's, that's super fascist. But yeah, now she has to go back and she has no choice but to stay on Gallifrey. I assume that, okay, alright, that's, uh, that's a shame. I was looking forward to having more of Romana, but I guess this is gonna be her farewell hurrah.
0: Which then it is absolutely not
1: no absolutely not which might segue
0: segue nicely into talking about Romana because
1: what a segue is is
0: this the worst Romana episode (laughs) uh, sorry serial we've had like
1: in in just in the sense that she's barely in it. Oh, you're so right. That's totally on the money. I hadn't thought about it. No, she, what does she do in this? She does nothing. She turns into a so it's, spider ward whatever.
0: Yeah. So it's end of episode two. So the cliffhanger of episode two. Uh, I'm not going to segue into cliffhangers. We'll come back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, is when she gets bitten. So for episode three and four, apart from the very end of four, yeah, she's a she's a zombie, basically doing nothing.
1: That's true. And she does. She gets um, to play with the kids a little bit in the TARDIS.
0: In episode two, she's yeah, she's being a nanny to the brats. Yeah, (laughs) and episode one, she's got a little bit of stuff with a doctor, but not much. I mean, she's upset that she's gonna have to to probably stop traveling with a doctor because the as soon as they get to Gallifrey, she's gonna be I don't know, carted off to some other job. And I'm not sure how much she's in the rest of that episode. To be honest, I don't have a lot of notes about her.
1: I think you're right. I don't. I don't think there's anything really with Romana, and it's such a bummer. It's it stands in a very stark contrast to the opening of part one, where she's lamenting the fact that she has to return to Gallifrey because she loves this life of adventure with the Doctor, but then there is yeah. zero adventure for
0: her. Well, the, the adventure is, well, you're going to get your mind wiped for a while and uh, yeah. lose control of everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: and I think the um, the the other factor to throw into this, which really was a bit of a sucker punch, was we had one of the few quite prominently featured secondary female characters quite early. Early on with Kira. Oh, yeah. And I, I wrote down, wrote down a, a, a positive point. It's like, yeah, yeah, a talking female character, because they genuinely are quite rare, and it's really sad.
1: I mean, aside and, from Kira, who does very little, and Romana, who does practically nothing, this is a total sausage fest.
0: Yeah, exactly. So early on, I'm writing a positive point, but then it is just decimated... <laughs> completely through the rest of the serial that a kira is barely part of it it's the male brats that are really the focus even though she's the daughter of the decider who you know she's way more an important character than anyone apart from Adric. and she yeah she's not featured heavily and romana's been sidelined to be in a zombie yeah it's not not a feminist episode no
1: not at all Before I forget, in the beginning, we also get a reference to Leela.
0: Oh, yeah. As in do. the
1: former female companion. It's like, oh, K 9 aren't you happy? You're going to go and see your twin. And I really wonder what's going on with Leela. I wonder how she's been holding up. All right. Nope.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, like I had, I had a lovely plus plus point at the start. It's like, like you've referenced the last episode. You've talked about a, a loose end with the accountant. You know, we dropped off the accountant back in uh, the nineteen eighties. It's fine. He's all fine and dandy. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we're going to Gallifrey. We're going to see how Leela's doing, and we're going to see how other canines doing. It's like, yeah, this is amazing. You, I, I like things that are brought back from other other episodes. That's that's really nice. And then it's yeah, no, we're not on Gallifrey. We're not seeing any of that. <laughs>
1: nope but presumably that's where well yeah i'm gonna say presumably that's where this storyline ends so when they make their way back to e-space they're probably gonna go to gallifrey to deposit romana
0: yeah probably
1: i wonder if we do get to see leela again uh, do you care I mean, to make this interesting i, I mean I, i'm gonna say probably not
0: I, I i was gonna take that bet as well yeah okay, yeah <laughs> probably not.
1: Let, let's, let's not make it interesting <laughs>
0: given how long this is going to last now, like, I feel like that was a throwaway line that wasn't uh, setting up for the return of a character for a brief, you know, reunion episode.
1: Yeah. That's a bit of a bummer, by the way, because I really <laughs> gonna... miss Leela. Yeah. Leela was great.
0: I think as as um, Romana has gone on, it is... Maybe it's how they're writing Romana, I don't know. But it it does seem they're not quite sure how to make it interesting a lot of the time, which is possibly why they were okay with effectively sidelining her in this serial.
1: Now that we've had Romana 2 for a while, has your opinion of Romana 1 versus Romana 2 changed in any way?
0: I feel like I I don't necessarily feel I'm capable of judging them against each other, because they are meant to be the same character, and they've both... (laughs) had progressions written for them and they've both been exposed to good and bad episodes and serials but I don't know maybe I think maybe I prefer Romana 1 a little bit at the moment
1: okay yeah I mean based based solely on this serial I certainly prefer Romana 1 only because Romana 1 did we ever have a serial where Romana 1 did nothing you know where she was totally sidelined by the writers
0: I I can't honestly think at the moment if we did or didn't I would kind of argue probably not because I think you're right early for that character as well. It's like, you don't want to throw away your companion, but I I think I, I would do wonder if they just, they feel like this is the same character, even though there's a new actress playing the role. It's like this character has been going for a long time. She's a time lady. We haven't developed her beyond that. We don't know what really makes her tick. She's yeah, exactly. just like a count- counterpart to a doctor. That's, that's what they've made her be. And that only goes so far. It's like you have to give her her own agency and reasoning, which I think ironically we had with Romana one, where she was a, a little bit prissy and a little bit yes, still like out of true. the academy. And now it's just, it's rolled off that and it's, romana 2 is more just an accomplished traveler who is alongside the doctor
1: yeah i think you've hit the nail on the head which is yeah i, d- I don't want to make that
0: a totally negative thing I, d- I do definitely enjoy romana 2 when the the writing is good but this yeah this serial unfortunately shat all over <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know why i'm laughing that's <laughs> it's a real bummer but yeah you're right <laughs> I'm trying to turn up the humor <laughs> <laughs>
0: Aye. And there is some humour in this, Serial. It's there is. It's not always there.
1: There's humour on one end of the spectrum, and then there's utter trauma on the other.
0: Uh, just in the uh, people getting killed sense? Or do you mean... Well, yeah, I mean, like, there's, really there's, there's the death
1: of a brother. Yeah. Among my notes for part two, I've written in all caps and bold, fucking hell, the Marshman decapitated canine. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: And that really got to me. It's a very broad range of emotion that they're trying in some way to convey in this serial. I mean, admittedly, most of it is spent sort of firmly in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> but there are some extremes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, I think that's true. I think I think for me the extremes didn't hit as well as like the middle. Possibly is always an easier ground to deal with. But yeah, I wasn't sure if I really bought the extremes all the time. Like yes, it's it's tragic that people are dying in this, but literally the uh, the first brat that gets killed, I think I wrote it kind of as a plus point that he's saving someone else. Um, he like he goes back to save someone who's being attacked by the, the Marshman, yeah. and then he gets killed himself. I know. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's a plus point, but I think I did in brackets, but I'm struggling to care. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hadn't really formed a relationship with this character. I found that line in my notes as well. Tylos is his name. I had no opinion of him. He was just one of the kids, it was still interesting that he was... I mean, interesting is maybe a stretch, but it was nice to see just the effort made in having this kid give up his life to save what turns out to be a very cowardly adult Yeah, who does not try to return the favor. He just bolts. But aside from that, no, it, it had no real emotional impact on me. I think mean, the
0: problem was that they were just one-dimensional characters up to that point. So when you throw in some kind of sacrifice or noble deed, it just, it's not like a redemption. It's not a crescendo of their character arc. It's just something coming out of the ether and it just yeah. it doesn't land with any anything kind of attached to it. It's just, well, okay, so apparently you're telling me now he has some morality. Great. Nothing you've <laughs> shown up to this point showed any of his morality or any Hint of progression in his morality, so yeah, I'm not buying it. (laughs) Yeah, you've just shown me a brat, and (laughs) he has he has a conscience at at his dying moments. Great. Going back to K-9 quickly, though. Uh Uh-huh. Like, if you're John Leeson, you've already quit the show because you don't like how K-9's being treated. Are you maybe um, calling up your agent again?
1: (laughs) (laughs) After you're decapitated and all of your potential lines are stripped from your character. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I've got a bit of trivia. Uh, It's not about John Leeson, but it's about K-9's head. Remember the scene where the doctor grabs Canine's head and holds it in front of his face to sort of scare yeah. the creatures from the blue lagoon. Apparently, whilst shooting that scene, Tom Baker was making noises. He was pretending to be a dog and apparently the 17 yeah. year old writer andrew smith was on set and threw a real hissy fit like started screaming at tom baker to stop doing that and the director of the episode had to like basically take this i i, I now i'm editorializing but I, i'm picturing the the director just grabbing this kid by the earlobe <laughs> t- leading him off stage <laughs> and going like don't fucking insult the talent <laughs> Yeah. that kid's
0: got balls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna interrupt the podcast and do it, but I might look him up afterwards and just see if he uh, had a magical career in television or if that was it.
1: <laughs> I didn't look him up on IMDb. I looked him up on Todd's Wikia, and he has not written any other TV Doctor Who, but he has, as I said, he written a ton of audiobooks, like really a ton of them. So okay. well done, Andrew Smith. So yeah, I didn't piss off too many people then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Including he's written a trilogy of audiobooks This might have been his sort of gateway to uh, Big Finish I'm not entirely sure But he wrote a a trilogy of audiobooks that are set in e-space And the first one is in fact Uh, called Mistfall
0: Wow Uh, Yeah Rehashing the ideas maybe Interesting point for him to get stuck on there because I, I feel like, yes, it's a little bit of a trope, but I mean, there's a general understanding with the animal kingdom and, and humans as well. Noises are scary. Like, a creature that you recognize as a threat. Like, why giving an audio cue to your you know, menacing demeanor is a bad thing? I'm not quite sure.
1: Yeah, that's a good thing. Why would you cut that out? Why not keep that take?
0: Yeah, or just understand that you can change the audio track <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and let the guy out. <laughs> also true (laughs) (laughs) so I feel like I've derailed you at least twice when you've wanted to talk about the TARDIS and I apologise for that do you want to talk about the TARDIS Okay, it bugged me a bit and I
0: feel like you have more of a connection to the TARDIS than I do I'm wondering if it bugged you as much or more that it's just so flippantly used in this serial. Like the brats come and go from it. Like the door is just left open most of the time. Yeah, that might um, be. When Romana gets stranded, and I, I really want to shake my finger at the editor. But <laughs> they allow a clip of Adric literally closing the TARDIS door, which I forget how the TARDIS works. If there's an exterior door, and then there's the big inner door, or if it's meant to be the same. But he goes into the wooden TARDIS, and you see him closing the door after him. Yeah. And then he's in the interior bit And the door gets closed And it's like, it's just such a terrible edit (laughs) Because then he's Screaming at the open door, open the door It's like, dude, you just walked in and closed it I feel like very occasionally we might have seen one of those overlaid shots where you can see the inside and you can see the outside set.
1: You're right.
0: And yes, there could just be two doors open, but it really gives off the impression most of the time that there's just one set of doors. Anyway, it's a minor point. It just, I just felt like a really bad edit more than anything. Okay. Because he could have just cut from the scene before he closes the door.
1: What ticked me off more about that was not so much how they depart, although... Oh, well, actually, you know what? We're going to get back to that when we do your cliffhanger bits, I'm sure. Ugh. I think I pulled the wrong lever. Uh, the the uh, <laughs> the thing that really ticked me off, though, was that for some reason they rematerialize inside the ship. Like, of all the places yeah, they could to go to, they materialize they right next to the Doctor.
0: Yeah, which isn't explained in the slightest other than the doc saying oh those short trips are normally really hard yeah (laughs) I don't really like how the TARDIS was treated so yeah it's apparently capable of doing incredibly precise short trips 99 times out of 100 in other serials it's not (laughs) yeah um, and it's just far too easy for people to be coming and going from it and after that that incident it lands in the Starliner and it's in that intersection corridor and I yeah. think it's basically there for the rest of the serial and multiple times like the, the blue doors are just swinging quite freely open and I people know. leaning up against them and it's just like
1: no the TARDIS is have clearly some respect for it the tortoise is clearly teeming with Marshmen right now like in the next serial yeah, like, I would not be surprised if Marshmen just come and go willy-nilly. <laughs> and also, when Rufio is by the TARDIS and he's about to get munched on by Marshman, then why doesn't he just go into the TARDIS? The doors are open, yeah. as you say. And also, why is no one impressed by the TARDIS? These kids all go inside. We do get... An ish nice scene with Wesley Crusher when he goes in and he, he, he kind of analyzes it from a very scientific, mathematical, geometrical point of view. But the other kids, the other lost boys, they're all imbeciles. So why aren't their jaws on the floor?
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And the thing is that, like, Adric's reaction is undone as well. Like, I may be misremembering slightly, but but we know after he's been in the TARDIS, is he's, he then talks to the brats again in the a cave i think and yeah. they're talking about escaping to the tardis and he goes it's too small and then what? he can't remember where it is when he's just explained to the brats here's a tracking device to show us all where the tardis is yeah is he playing dumb, or is he actually that stupid? Like, he's been in the TARDIS. He knows it's not small. He's got a tracking device. He he's knows been in two different
1: is. rooms of the TARDIS.
0: Yeah, because we, we get to see this weird Romana room, which we I don't, I don't recall seeing before. Like, no, she has never.
1: A, I love that we get to see that room, by the way. A little reclining area <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> of the console room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's her room. I love that that's her room. Yeah, I I, I quite like that idea.
0: I was a bit annoyed that we basically get to see her sulking in it a bit and (laughs) that's it. It's nice that they all get their own room. Is it weird that you as a companion might be walking past, like, six other rooms going, um, yeah, what happened to them?
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's like, uh, let's say companions sleep in tanks of water, but in order to get to your tank of water, you have to walk past all the tanks in, you know, Alien Resurrection, where the failed clones are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to go into my tank, guys, and they're like, kill me. (laughs)
0: I don't quite know the reference But I can picture it very well from
1: your description (laughs) It's a really cool film People hate it, I don't know why I think it's really good Jean-Pierre Jeunet, the guy who did uh, Delicatessen And uh, City of Lost Children And Amélie
0: Okay, we tweet the nipple of cliffhangers Shall we go for a full-on squeeze?
1: Oh, nice (laughs) Grab a face full of melon
0: (laughs) (laughs) Apologies I don't know where that came from
1: (laughs) No, go for it. Take it away while I unzip.
0: I'm waiting for you to uh, put a zip <laughs> sound I'm, I'm, in. <laughs> 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 okay, uh, episode one, we have the reveal of Marshmen coming out of the water. Oh my God.
1: Oh yes. Quite like
0: it. Yeah, that's, it's not a stupid, people are going to die. It's just a revelation of something. Revelation better than people in stupid situations we know are you on a ham wave. Yeah. If anyone anyone in script writing land is listening out <laughs> <up. laughs>
1: Yep, I'm all ears. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Episode two, yeah. So it's a shitty lead- leading up to the actual cliffhanger of Romana being bitten by a spider. Okay. But the actual cliffhanger of her being by a spider is quite good. But yeah, the, the fact that Patrick shuts the door.
1: I mean, that is the but that's the, the actual the end of it, isn't it? That's the. I think I pulled the wrong lever.
0: Yeah, I think I pulled the wrong lever. That was his worst moment.
1: That's, yeah, definitely.
0: That's without question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I <don't> think- <laughs> The actual cliffhanger is her being bitten by the spider, though, isn't
1: it? Did I, oh, is like it? Oh, maybe it is.
0: No, you're right. You're probably right. Which is also a bit of a dumb moment, because it's like, oh, I'm surrounded by spiders. They're coming out of everything. Oh, I'm going to throw this fruit at them. Oh, no. This fruit had a spider in it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't you just hate it when that happens? You yeah, pick up yeah. some fruit and there's a spider in it.
0: <laughs> Much worse than there's half a spider in it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I'm here <Yeah>. all evening. <laughs> It's a nice cliffhanger that again you don't know what's going to happen. Um, it's not going to be hand waved. Yeah, and it isn't. Then episode three we have got brainwashed Romana letting the swamp things into the Starliner.
1: Oh yes, 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 yes. Which yeah, you know what?
0: That's a super plus point for this serial in my mind. It did good cliffhangers.
1: Nice. All right.
0: <laughs> and that's that's not the best thing out there. I'll give you, but <laughs> the sentiment is true. <laughs> It did cliffhangers very well.
1: Nice. How about we rate this? Let's. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing boom, hey, la, 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 la Ratings.
0: Hello, Confab, beforehand, and I'm going to do my review first, which is great because I'm pumped full of venomous bile, and I'm going <laughs> to rip some <laughs> shit. All right. Nah. It's not, it's not terrible. It's just not great. As I've said, uh, we both said the Brats are shit. Adric is shit. And it's unfortunate because apparently we're going to get a lot of him in the future. I hate the fact that K-9 is sidelined yet again. I absolutely detested the fact that Romana was sidelined. That's just really not on. I, it doesn't matter that she's a woman necessarily. Like, That's bad enough in itself, but you can kind of accept 1980. Okay, feminist agenda is not really part of the show's remit, but it would be nice. But the companion, why is the companion turned into a zombie for most of it and barely in the first episode anyway? No, that's just bad writing. And even put alongside that, I'm not sure if Doc was really the best the doc can be i think what well you can disagree with me and <laughs> <if you want. laughs> but yeah you know, i think there are some good moments for the doctor but i definitely feel like this is maybe 80 percent of what tom baker is capable of if that there have definitely been better serials to show off his skills as the fourth Doctor. So that's some negatives out of the way. There are some, I think, high production values, though, on offer here. There are some interesting sets. They obviously went on location to film some stuff. They yeah put, put a little bit of money into this. There, there wasn't some lovely miniature work, which I would normally enjoy. we get got a, a tiny bit possibly to do with the ship. We're not quite sure actually how they did it. But, you know, it wasn't big enough for me to care about, really. <laughs> We get some nice ideas with like the Starliner having these manuals and it becomes almost like a cultish religious text in a way. I think that's a really interesting idea I just don't think it was used well enough unfortunately the compressed evolution is a really nice idea like you can do so many things with that but again I don't think it was used well enough <laughs> like and it's a bit of a weird thing one of my plus points is I like that the doctor doesn't care enough about the people we've spent the entire serial with so he <laughs> can't be asked to give them a proper piety lesson like he's about to leave without giving them a lesson at all and he decides to say and give them five minutes that's what they're worth the people we have decided to set this serial around are worth five minutes of a doctor's time to see if he can save them from themselves
1: yeah that sounds about right to me
0: and the reason for that yeah the reason for that is because they're shit <laughs> <laughs> and just to emphasize it the brats are shit flipping <laughs> so that round again we get decently written cliffhangers it's a rarity and i i generally note that and give some points for it like point points, not a whole point. But I, I think possibly the biggest negative, I'm mostly convinced I will forget everything about this serial. <laughs> it's just not good enough and unique enough and exciting enough in any way that I I expect to be having a conversation with someone randomly in the future or even just we're that thing happened in I'm having to look at the title of it <laughs> because I can't remember. It's so boring. Full circle. <laughs> yeah, I just don't I don't see that happening. So it's definitely on the low side of mediocre. I'm gonna give it a one point
1: eight. Uh okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well one point eight. All of your arguments make perfect sense. But <laughs> a rebuttal. But. I will see your Tom Baker is on eighty percent form here and I will raise you. He's on eighty-two at least. <laughs> He is Tom Bakering with a vengeance, and I'm loving every tiny frame containing his amazing smile. I'm constantly keeping in mind that the original version of this script was written by a teenager, so maybe the exchange rate from teenager <laughs> to veteran BBC writer may mean that 82% of Tom Baker is actually sort of a 9190. percent Three percent, Tom. Who knows? Whatever. You're not going to get it bogged down with exchange rates. I like Tom Baker in this. As far as companions go, K9, he's sparsely used until decapitated, but while he's on screen, I really felt like he was used well. He has a brief exchange with a doc, he does some investigating, he's cool. He isn't a tank, and the fact that I had such a visceral emotional reaction when he got decapitated meant that I like I, I was totally on board with this being a K9-heavy episode. A little sad that we don't get to see him return. We get to see him patched up, I think, but... not. Not really. Romana, as you say, she's left by the wayside. I'm not on board with that. Adric, oh my goodness. This is just one episode. I'm not going to base my judgment on this character on just this initial impression of him, but I did not warm to him at all. Less so than I did to the 1960s equivalent in Zoe. I did enjoy that he got his very first and very own, not now, insert companion's name here, reference by the Doctor. But the thing is, I really dislike child actors. And by the way, in my head, every time that you've said brats during this review, in my head I've spelt it with a Z. <laughs> the serial has some interesting ideas. I mentioned before, conceptually, I think it's brilliant. However, I think maybe we've misunderstood the grand scheme at play here, or maybe we've just attributed more value to it than it actually deserved, so I'm not entirely sure I'm judging it in its own right. But I did really enjoy the potentially cyclical nature of their evolution. I enjoyed the manual labor. I enjoyed the Council of Ricks. I even sort of enjoyed the ridiculous spider-based humans, although why on earth didn't they have a Limbs, for goodness' sake! Production value, creature effects—all you know, totally splendid. Or. Some very creative camera work here as well. There are two scenes in particular that spring to mind. Tilting the camera inside the TARDIS and then in perfect synchronicity, throwing over the coat rack. I thought that was a very nice touch. There's a dolly shot at the end. I think this is in part four when What's-His-Face is... The scene where he goes, uh, we were never really there. There's this dolly shot that goes between the legs of... Of these humanoids as they're just standing watching their leader die, which felt very cinematic to me. Nephred, that's his name. Nephred. I'll also give this a couple of bonus decimal points for one of my favorite scenes in this serial, which is when the doctor tries to fit a gigantic watermelon inside his pocket and then decides not to <laughs> because it won't fit. <laughs> So as a whole, it gets a little bit of a boost because it's the thought that counts and because I am really impressed by the writing of a teenager here. And I'm giving this... You give this 1.8? I'm giving this 2.8. Whoa. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <Four> point extra. <laughs> some stuff. Right. Shall we perhaps find out what kind of page our listeners are on? Your oh. page, my page, a different page entirely?
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somewhere in between would be ideal for me. <laughs> Yeah. Listen, minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max two fifty, or it would get out of hand.
0: My, my, my! For once, I feel like it's fully justified to say we've got a bucket load of minis.
1: Yeah. (laughs) A bucket load is eleven, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: all i can fit in my bucket that's for sure. yeah. we've got 11 minis in, in i need to introduce you to my earbuds. bucket guy <laughs> <laughs> they're a bigger bucket <laughs> so yeah buckle yourselves in because here they come yeah
1: first out the gate who have we got mr leon well it's ed corbett ed corbett <laughs>
0: <laughs> hello there ed. what up, How are ed? Doing? <laughs> you doing <up. laughs> okay Ed starts. The Doctor doesn't interact with his companions much in this story, which due to Tom's variable moods, especially in his final series, may be a good thing. The companions each get their own plotline. Adrix is good as a companion introduction. Romana's allowed her to play a semi-villain, not buying them.
1: The 80s electronic music detracts from the tension. That said, this theme tune is the one I grew up with, and it gives me a nostalgic buzz even today. Nice points. We should yes, have talked about this. I did this. have a
0: negative note about the music. The a music negative note? Is... Yeah. <laughs> like, I love 80s synth, but yeah, it was a negative in this series. Uh, it does continue. The swamp creatures looked quite good for the time, even with their Brussels sprout heads. The spiders, on the other hand, uh, not so good. <laughs>
1: In one scene the swamp creatures pick up and move the TARDIS. Oh yeah. Romana later states it weighs five times a hundred and six kilograms. That's five thousand tons. If a group of swamp creatures can shift that, then all of them should be able to tear that starliner apart. <laughs> That's a very good point. Very good point. Yeah. yeah.
0: Might, might bring my rating down, but no. <laughs> <laughs> It continues Romana's actions of opening the hatch for the swamp creatures led to the off screen deaths of maybe dozens of people. And while she had diminished responsibility, she doesn't seem to show even a hint of guilt or remorse. New Who's companion's characterization is one area where it is indisputably
1: better. Yeah, that's very true. I first came across Full Circle as a target novel, and remember it as one of my favourites. It releases information building towards its twists, and good ones at that, at a decent pace, although mostly because the decider's sense of drama won't allow them to release crucial information.
0: Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. And Ed concludes, a solid story, recommended for any who fan, and he gives this... What Leon?
1: <laughs> well, you gave it 1.8. I gave it 2.8. Ed gives this 3.8. <laughs> very oh, nice, Ed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One up on the scale. <laughs> Excellence. Thank you very much, Ed. Thank you, Ed. Okay, who's next? Next.
0: Next up, we've got Stephen from Canada. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hello, Stephen. <laughs>
0: Hi, Stephen. Apologies for reusing uh, jingles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I loved it.
0: Stephen starts, Adric, oh, Adric. Well, not the most universally liked character. It's far from the annoying brat most people see him as. (laughs) Disagree. (laughs) In this story, I found him to be quite endearing. But then again, I liked Dodo as a companion, so my judgment might not be the best.
1: Oh, yeah. What? (laughs) What? Dodo Fan Club, Party of One, Steven continues. <laughs> <laughs> Costumes as per usual are pretty great, and the effects, in particular the miniatures, are amazing. Agree a hundred percent. The music is excellent. It's synth and flute while being so 80s you can taste the wood panelling and coke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure what kind of coke that's referring to, but I have a guess. <laughs> Probably coke snorted off a piece of wood panelling. <clears throat> it's synth and flute, work to give the story a mysterious yet fanciful atmosphere. I must say, I really dig it.
0: Mm. Stephen continues, this story had some great scenes. The mask creature's attempted escape from surgery was intense, and the doctor's subsequent speeches were some of classic Who at its best. The death of the cider drape was very reminiscent of the death of Artax in The Never Ending Story, with Adric trying to pull him out like a less than competent atreyu. Oh, Jesus, Stephen! <laughs> I'm tugging at my heartstrings. <laughs>
1: I believe we've established on this podcast I have not seen the never-ending story. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're a heartless bastard. Right. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Stephen concludes, overall, this story earns four watermelons. I mean, river fruit <laughs> out of five. <laughs> Thank very nice. you very much, Stephen. Excellent. Holy moly, the, the heart of podcast land just keeps on growing. Okay. <laughs>
0: yep. Yep. <laughs> Right. Let's see if Christaps Paddock agrees with this sentiment.
1: Mm-hmm. Hello, Christaps. Hello there, Christaps. Christaps starts another mini series like the Key to Time, and yes, I love this story. Sure, Adric is a drag, <laughs> easily in the running for the worst companion of the classic series, but embrace the cheap horror vibes, and there's a lot to love here. The
0: spiders, the mist, and the swamp monsters mashed up with the sci-fi elements actually give it a postmodern feel, even though actually it was just written by a teenager shoehorning in everything he wanted to see in a who story yeah it's a little bonkers yeah it's not brilliant but i love it and won't apologize 4.0
1: nor should you apologize christophs this is incredible oh <laughs> jim how's that 1.8 feeling for you <laughs> sitting well i think it's a bit shite, and I won't apologize. <laughs> Nor should you. <laughs> Thanks very much, Chris Tapps.
0: No, thank you so much, Chris Tapps. That That's possibly the most brazenly honest review, and I, I fully accept it for it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's terrible. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 27 out of 5. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, we've got Peter Zunich.
0: The Zunmeister himself. Hello, Peter. Peter, Peter Start. You all can go on like a band of bratty kids. Personally, I love this story. We have a beautiful alien world, marshmen, and spiders. The effects, both practical and visual, are lovely. Items and props aren't explained, they just are. The deciders are perfectly realized. Tom is outstanding. We're given mentions of storylines past and future, and we have a deeply philosophical script that prevents you from falling asleep because you're still contemplating it.
1: I'm not blind, of course, continues Peter. There's certainly some boof and cheese here. <laughs> That's how you pronounce cheese, apparently. Sorry. <laughs> 100% spot on. That's what you would say. Cheese. There's some enthralling acting, but also some that isn't. I have a similar love-hate for the music, depending on the scene. Romana is slightly sidelined, and her path not explained enough. A needed retro rewrite, indeed. There's also some connecting threads that need finer detail and moments of... My, what a big coincidence you have. (laughs) (laughs) It's better to slap you on the face (laughs) with. Hey, or... Finally, while not ultimately necessary... a a deeper explanation of how the Alzerians and Pterodon survivors c- became one and the same people would have been appreciated. Unfortunately, all we get is a quick and inadequate line that's actually quite hard to hear. Still, it doesn't detract from this being a wonderful tale. Well,
0: I'm sensing a big score coming from Peter. Let's see what his final conclusion is. So now we're back at this being amazing. By the end of the tale, you realise that nothing you've seen is exactly what you thought it was. Can't fix this shit if it already is. Can't go home because you already are. There isn't one major twist, there's two. And that, of course, brings us...
2: Fool, oh, so cool. <laughs>
0: Does it like, does it <laughs> But Peter's heart is humongous because he gives this a whopping four point four out of five.
1: <laughs> My what a big rating you have, Peter. <laughs> oh fantastic. So loving this. Here. Yes, thank you so much. Absolutely loving this. Next up, this is a shorty. It comes from Joe Ford. Hello, Joe.
0: Hello, Joe. Docco Hole. Well, it's so short, I might as well just gobble it out in one. Full <laughs> circle. Intelligent, well executed, and we have a lovely twist at its heart. Patrick can't walk across the set convincingly. <laughs> and I give this
1: <laughs> 4.0 from Joe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> If you agree, please high five Joe online at doc oho. Also, seriously, follow his podcast at Naimon Podcast. Thanks very much, Joe. Joe.
0: Next up, we've got Andy Parkinson.
1: What up, Andy?
0: Andy, as is usual for the gorgeous chap he is, has given us a maxi review, which you can read in its full splendor on whobackwhen.com. We will be reading right now, injecting directly into your earballs the mini review he also supplied. For your convenience. <laughs> Indeed. And said mini review starts with some likes. The doctor says he's looking forward to seeing Leela Andred and Mark 1K9 again.
1: The location and effects around Mistfall are particularly good and really make you believe it's an alien planet.
0: The Starliner interior sets give off a definite Blake Seven's Liberator vibe.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, next like, when the Doctor tells Adric to cross his fingers, lovely literal interpretation.
0: Actually, I did quite like that, yeah. yeah that's good. <laughs> and the last like, it's great that there's no actual villains in this serial, and the story is all based around the evolution of the Alsarians.
1: But it can't all be likes. Consequently, Andy has included a list of boofs. First, boof. <laughs> <laughs> Romana <laughs> indicates... Oh, sorry, vodka. Romana <laughs> indicates that in the conversation with Adric that TARDIS is very, very heavy, yet apparently half a dozen Marshmen can carry it up a mountain to a cave. Yes, absolutely. We totally missed this.
0: Yeah, no, it's a, a very big... <laughs> <yeah>. uh,
1: <laughs> next. Uh, the
0: marshman trying to break into the TARDIS
1: looks awful. It did. I only had a bullet point about this as well. It's the super lazy machete attack by the marshman. It's just. Oh. It's like. Eh, eh. It's like. Uh, <laughs> they're just a a band of great grandmothers attacking a postman with their newspaper. Ugh, oh, I don't know. Uh, next.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait a very, very quick sidebar with Podcast Land. You have no idea how hot that image was that Leon was portraying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wasn't it though? I mean, wasn't it though?
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Seriously.
1: Next, boof. The spiders. Wait, this isn't the beef section? <laughs> they look pretty cool until they move. Then they look rubbish. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> yes, <I do>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Here are my
1: friends who disagree with me.
0: <laughs> The Alzarians are continually replacing (laughs) parts. Where are they coming from? They've been replacing them for generations. That's some spare parts store they've got somewhere. If they're using all parts, how come no one else has tweaked that That is a pointless exercise.
1: I can wibble wobble that. They're taking them out, and then there's a different crew of pastel-wearing wankers just dusting them off, just polishing them until they're returned to circulation.
0: Yeah, just don't let your left hand talk to your right hand.
1: Exactly, anyway, final booth. How many oldzerians does it take to change a light bulb or an optronic circuit? There's an awful lot of people simply supervising. Yeah, that's true <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yep. Overall, says Andy, Full Circle is an interesting serial with little padding. It's nice to have a serial that is more science based and not relying on a megalomaniacal villain. The eSpace trilogy is not a set of serials I regularly visit. Oh, trilogy. trilogy, eh? But on rewatching for writing this review, I didn't hate it. <laughs> well, that's praise. <crazy. laughs> DVD cover. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if Adric and the Outliers had been rewritten, I. have enjoyed it more. Also, I'm missing the humour which has been so much a part of Tom Baker's tenure. There are snippets, but not enough to satisfy.
1: And Andy awards this story 3.0 charged vacuum emboitments out of 5. Tell Dexeter we've come full circle. 3.0, eh? Mm -mm. Mm Mm-mm. Nice. Excellent. Fantastic mini. Excellent maxi too. Podcast land. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you want to to know more about Andy Follow him on Twitter Learn his mannerisms Emulate his life He can be found at Caffrey's 71 That's 71, the oh, Number <laughs> Correct <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Thanks Andy Next one
0: out of the gate is Kirsten Doherty <laughs> Hello Kirsten Kirsten starts, For me, Full Circle is a bit underrated. Although another high score. <laughs> I think many don't think highly of it because it introduced one of the least liked companions in classic Who history, Adric. <laughs> <Right.
1: laughs> <laughs> 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 but Kirsten follows that up with a list of likes. First like, the scene with the marsh creatures coming out from the water is fantastic.
0: Yeah. Next like, the Doctor scaring the mask creatures with canine's head. I think it would have been hilarious had they let Tom Baker bark like he wanted to. Yes, absolutely.
1: Next like, the Doctor's interaction with the Marsh child. Heartwarming scene, I thought. Yeah.
0: Next up, the bit when the Doctor goes batshit crazy on the Deciders when Dexter performs an inhumane and cruel experiment on the Marsh Child.
1: Romana swatting at the Doctor like she was a Cass when she was possessed.
0: Oh, that's definitely my dislike, con- <laughs>
1: <laughs> But anyway, we're talking about
0: Kirsten's likes, and the next one is, the Doctor has some great lines. For, for instance, why can't people be nice to one another just for a change?
1: Or... Adric, what is this? Noah's Ark? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Kirsten did have some dislikes. <laughs> First, dislike. <laughs> the group of rebel teenagers can't act at all. Like Seth and Tika in the Horns of Naimon. I ended up not giving a shit whenever they were on screen.
1: Yeah, freaking yep. child yep. actors. <laughs> this is what I'm telling the world. <laughs> Next, Dislike. The Deciders Who Can't Decide. I liked Logan, but the other two were asshats. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Kane getting his
0: head chopped off.
1: And Romana's fugly bedroom. It's no wonder she destroyed her when she was possessed. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we have
0: the extremely fake-looking spiders.
1: Oh, I loved them. <laughs> all in all, says Kirsten... An enjoyable story with some bratty kids, one of which sadly stays. (laughs) And she gives this a 3.9 out of 5. Holy moly. Holy moly indeed. Oh, wow. Thank you very much, Kirsten. People who are not Kirsten, here's what you need to do. You need to register with Twitter if you haven't already. Create an account solely to follow Kirsten online. She can be found at One Eye Willy 80 That's 80, the number. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Who have we got next? Why, we have got some guy called Matt Tilly.
1: What up, Matt?
0: Hello. Matt starts. So full circle. Could this be the only time that the story title is referenced three times by its own characters? Oh yeah. So we enter eSpace and start a series of stories that I adore. From here to Castrovalva. (laughs) With
1: the one exception of Warriors Gate.
0: Ah, excellent.
1: (laughs) Can I just add, for Podcastland's benefit, (laughs) that over Skype, as Jim was saying Castrovalva, there was a certain (laughs) Nicholas Cage about his gesticulation (laughs)
0: Hey, I'll take that
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's badass (laughs) Matt does continue Full Circle aired in 1980 I was 10 And probably the perfect age to be watching Doctor Who It was written by the then 17-year-old Andrew Smith Something that I remembered being amazed at I'm sure you have discussed the story, so I won't I'll just get on to my Likes and Lose Or Beefs (laughs) I messed that up I'm I'm sorry, Matt (laughs) (laughs)
0: so straight out of the like gate we have tom and lala seem to have some more positive energy in this one which fares for much more enjoyable performances wait until the next story when they seem to be having a really spiky
1: time oh no (laughs) next like tom's comedic moments
0: Next up, Alzarius looks beautiful.
1: And last like I remember the spiders freaking me out. They're only spiders, mocked Romana. Yes, with two inch bloody fangs and glowing fucking eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you know
0: what, for a ten year old, okay, the spiders might have been scary. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> And just as a side note, why is that there only spiders line repeated? Like, it was bad enough to be said once.
1: I didn't have a negative reaction to that, frankly.
0: Okay. That's okay. in
1: my likes pile as well. S-
0: silly little <laughs> okay. 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 Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, now we're into Matt's briefs. The Marshmallow costumes aren't great. At one point, you can see an obvious tear in the armpit of one of the actors. Hot. Also, they have little <laughs> saggy titties and some dodgy white jizz around their <laughs> mouths. And full confession, that was not the first take of reading that <laughs>
1: line. <light. laughs> For the first take, consult the fourth forthcoming blooper reel. <laughs> uh, next, boof. The Decider's Courtroom. It's furnished with plastic stacked milk crates decorated with colored card. This annoyed me at 10.
0: <laughs> well, to each their own.
1: <laughs> and the last poof
0: <laughs> dodgy purple lighting during exterior scenes.
1: I still love this though, says Matt, and it's a solid 4 out of 5 for me. Keep smiling! <laughs> Says Matt, though possibly not with exactly that intonation. Four out of five. Holy moly. Very nice. Thank you very much, Matt.
0: Awesome stuff. Thank you so much, Matt.
1: People who are not Matt, you know the drill. Go to Twitter, follow Matt. He can be found at Matt1701E. E. E. Correct. 1701E, oh e, the first contact enterprise. <laughs> Thank you very much, Matt. Next up. Thank you, Matt. Who do we have?
0: We got Nick, a.k.a. The Doctor.
1: What up, Nick?
0: Uh, Nick starts. Here is my full circle review. The circle is not full, in my opinion. <laughs> 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 this is the first of the iconic E-Space trilogy. In my opinion, though, this is the weakest one. Also, this is the introduction of the much-maligned, I think I pulled the wrong lever, Adric. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank I'm
0: not. Massively, yeah. I'm not massively enamoured about this story. I like the idea of a crash, a crashed ship in E space. I like the triumphant canine music, which keeps happening intermittently.
1: As a biased season 18 freak, this is quite memorable and of the age. I like the Monsters of the Week, although those Marshmen do end up trashing a library. Do they have no respect for literature? What else? Uh, Romana is great in this ep. She makes a pact with the creatures and ends up turning into a savage. Cool. Doc is okay, especially with the canine head. Not much else to say. 3.0. 3.0? Mmm. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Nick. Mm. That is a solid rating, Nick. That is a freaking platinum rating. Thank you very much.
0: The doctor, right. <laughs> <laughs> and closely following on Nick's heels, we've got Paul Waring.
1: What up, Paul? Hello. Hello, Paul. All starts Full Circle is a mixed bag of a story for me. I really like the idea of three different evolutionary stages of the same species existing at the same time on the same planet, but all being afraid of each other. E-space is an interesting concept as well, although it doesn't have much effect on the plot and the story could easily have taken place in N-space. The endless preparation by replacement of working components on the ship, because no one knows how to fly it, was also a novel idea. agree a hundred percent
0: yeah on the downside however says paul here we go this story introduces the most annoying companion in classic who (laughs) spoiler yes i'm afraid Adric does return in the next story insufferably smug about his mathematical excellence badge and his rapid healing and with his general i'm better than anyone else attitude Adric lacks any redeeming features oh
1: yikes all right Paul continues, as always, there are a few questions left unanswered. Why has Romana been summoned to Gallifrey now? If she was only supposed to help with the key to time, she should have returned ages ago. It's a, that's a very good point. Yep, yep. Why is Adric given a homing device when he's not part of the TARDIS crew and they only met him a few minutes earlier? Why are negative coordinates so difficult? Yeah, these are all solid questions, man. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in conclusion, says Paul, overall this is a story with plenty of interesting concepts, but not one that I return to often. And he gives this three out of
1: five. Three out of five. Excellent. Fantastic.
0: Great stuff. Thank you, Paul.
1: Magnificent mini. People who are not already following Paul can follow Paul at P wearing. That's P wearing. <laughs>
0: Sadly, it had to come to an end. And the uh, last guy out of the gate, it's Michael Ridgeway. Ridway Hello, Michael. Hello there, Michael. So big. Uh, Michael gives us a little introduction to his mini of the fact that it's a very mini-mini. Mainly because I don't quite know what to make of this very odd story.
1: All right, and he's got a bullet point list. Let's ping-pong these, Jim. First off, Adric's and K-9's themes are funky.
0: Adric is slightly Wesley Crusher irritating. Yes. He's <laughs> your friend that agrees with you. <laughs> but I vividly remember what happens to his character, so some respect is due. Hmm, Intriguing.
1: Stealing watermelons. Wow, these rebels are hardcore.
0: <laughs> yeah, do not mess. <laughs> <laughs> K9 following the marshmen. Subtle K9.
1: Yeah, yeah, well done. Canine's uh, head. Oh my goodness.
0: They're only spiders.
1: Romana, they look horrific. <laughs> they look fantastic, I think you'll find. <laughs> Next point. Morons of the Week award has shifted from the dumb unit soldiers in Zygon Invasion to the deciders who don't know how to fly their own friggin' ship. Come on. You know every technical aspect but never discovered the flight controls. Idiots. Yeah, fair. Yeah. <laughs> and last point. From Michael. So the humanoids
0: are um, marshmen
1: from eating the spider fruit. Um, what? Oh, wait, is that what happened?
0: I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of interpretations to what the fuck was trying to be told through this story.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but I like this interpretation. This feels like it's potentially true. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Anywho, in summary, Michael says, an ethereal but forgettable story that makes no sense. And he gives this a rating of what, Jim?
0: 2.1 out of 5. Watermelon-sealing rebels being bumped off by marshman Weird logs crunch
1: <laughs> very nice awesome 2.1 thank you very much michael people who are not michael please if you're not already do follow michael on twitter he can be found at bad underscore movie underscore
0: club no it was no it's not an underscore no. was teasing me there i tried to say it was underscore but it wasn't <laughs> oh, warm, really <tease>.
1: Thank you very much, Michael. And thank you very much, everyone, who sent in a mini for this.
0: Holy moly. Thank you. So many bucket pools.
1: This might be a record, yeah. by the way. Awesome stuff. Eleven might be a record.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. If it's not, it damn well should be.
1: Yeah, it, it <laughs> absolutely should be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, that was Full Circle.
1: Well, next up, we have a new review, namely of the Zygon Inversion.
0: Hmm. End of a double part, I believe.
1: Yes, indeed. I'm super duper looking forward to that. I still haven't rewatched it. No idea what happens. <laughs> Can't remember. After that, we're back in classic country with what, Jim?
0: The state of decay.
1: And after that, we're gonna jump. Uh, well, maybe not after that. At some point in the near future, we will jump back into audio who territory with Lucy Miller and to the death. Two audiobooks, one podcast episode. Third punchline. <laughs> <laughs>
0: few occasions i wish this was a, a video <laughs> recording
1: <laughs> and at some point we will also be dropping a bonus episode we still don't know what that will be it might be a blooper reel but it might it may also be an audiobook called strange readings Mm-mm. or something Ooh. else it's still just a working title
0: <laughs> can't wait for that well wow, and uh, as you alluded to earlier i feel like we should pass pass on a little plug for the fact that you were on a another podcast recently. Would you like to recount this?
1: Oh, I would very much like to recount this. I confess, I cheated on Who Back When, and I <laughs> I guested on a fantastic podcast called Doctor Who, colon Who and Company. It's a really, really cool show. They've got a fantastic roster of guests on there. I felt very much like I shouldn't have qualified. Leela has been on it, for example. Like, tons of really, really cool people, wow. and whole shtick is it's half Doctor Who, half something else, some other fandom. Uh, And uh, yeah, so do listen to not just the episode that I was on, the October 2020 episode, listen to to them all. Mine was uh, Star Trek TNG. It was fantastic. Thank you again, Drew and Brent of Who and Company. Awesome stuff.
0: Right, well, that's, that's that's it from us in this episode. If you want to carry on the wonderful journeys, you can find the Who Back When account on Twitter, and you can follow myself as well on Twitter. Oh, I've forgotten, Leon. Remind me, where can they find me?
1: <laughs> I want to say Jimmy the Who. You're quite right. Yes, it's just
0: rang a bell in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm at Jimmy the Who, and I believe they can still find you at that uh, that wee little name of
1: Ponken. Ponken. Yes, that's right. P O N K E N. I may never change it. You have to follow me to
0: find <laughs> out. So it just leaves us to say, yeah, stay safe out there. Uh, look after each other.
1: Just be the wonderful darlings that you are, and see you. Yes, thank you so much for listening. Rock on, and ciao ciao.